0: Before we begin, wherever you find yourself right now, just gently slow down with me until you're completely still. This can be physically or mentally. And take a slow breath in. Hold it there just a few seconds. And slowly breathe out. Welcome to Blue Mind. So, hopefully at this point, right up top, you're listening in a place of comfort and somewhere where you won't be disturbed. That's like the grade A gold medal listening position. And indeed, at that, quite a rarity in itself. So if you've achieved such an environment by now, you're doing great. But maybe you're out and about, driving, Commuting, working. We're generally in motion and that's totally fine too. With any luck we're all approaching a similar frame of mind through that mini breathing exercise at the beginning. A very abbreviated meditation, yes, but sometimes pushing pause on the world is as good as splashing cold water on your face. I mean we've all seen it in films, like the main character will go to the bathroom, turn on the cold tap for a second, splash a handful of water in their face and look at their own reflection in the mirror. I mean, has anyone ever actually done that in real life? Like, It feels like an action that only exists in cinema. But nevertheless, I think we all know that feeling and can relate to it. So, with that in mind, and with us all being our own main character in our own films, let's enjoy that pause and see what happens when that sweet, sweet realignment comes. You're listening to the Blue Mind podcast. Think of this as your thought bubble, your safe space, and your world within or outside of a world. It can be an escape or pathway in, a journey of discovery, or straight up relaxation time. I'm your host, Buddy Peace, and mine will be the voice you'll hear narrating throughout. But what is Blue Mind exactly? Blue Mind is a term coined by marine biologist, scientist and, if I may, H2 overlord, I'll have to wait and see if it goes for that one, Wallace J. Nichols, which basically sums up the effect bodies of water have on our brains. We contain a lot of water as humans, over 70% or thereabouts, so it figures that the ocean itself would have a noticeable effect on us, and in some ways it almost serves as a huge magnet. which we are drawn, be it every day if we're close to it, or of a summer holiday if we can't escape there so freely. But that's not all. In Wallace's book, Blue Mind, he goes into forensic detail to find out why our heads respond in such ways, and really explores the concept of blue mind. The book itself is very much a guidebook of water, I mean I've got my copy right here and keep it close at all times, and it comes entirely recommended as a companion to this podcast, and definitely a book you'll consider a friend if the sea is of even the most remote interest to you. And speaking of friends, let me familiarise you with what's coming up on Blue Mind. So let's think of the show in two halves. It could be night and day, it could be side A and side B. Blue and gold, however you wish, so it will be. In the first half, we have some wonderful company here in the Blue Mind bubble by way of two guests linked by a mutual love of visual arts and photography by way of the sea and a sea-based life form i'll be speaking with designer and photographer nadia huggins based in st vincent and the grenadines who in my opinion and i'm sure you'll agree has the best pseudonym i think i've ever heard more on that soon you'll be hearing about her life near and in the water how she found her passion and how she so perfectly conveys that feeling of the ocean in her work. I will say that when this episode comes to a close, please make it your next item of business to follow and explore her incredible immersive photography on her website and Instagram and really feel that oceanic perfection. You'll love it. What I was saying earlier about the cold water in the face moment, I mean, it's as close to that feeling as you can possibly get through photography, in my opinion. (laughs) I'll also be joined by studying neuroscientist and photographic enthusiast Russell Marks, who develops photos out of
1: algae. No chemistry at all, right? Just biology going on here. I'm
0: sure you have questions. I'm pretty confident that after hearing from Russell, your world will be one in which you know more about developing photographs in algae than you did previously. It's fascinating, and I've never heard or seen anything like it. A little later, you'll have the chance to jump directly into the Blue Mind podcast waters yourself, where you'll be introduced to your new friend, Lottie. Lottie will be delivering and guiding you through into a new world of calm, inspiration and mental refreshment by way of a unique and exclusive meditation. I'm genuinely excited for you because not only is Lottie a wonderful human being and a new friend of yours, she has a voice I can only adequately describe as Golden velvet. So, how does that all sound? Does it sound good? Alright, let's go. The ocean and photography. A pairing that makes perfect sense, but at the same time, one that is a lot more difficult than it looks. You can point a camera or a phone at the sea and get the sunset in there or a friend swimming, and you'll probably come out with a half-decent result. For me personally, I've almost given up, as I know that I'll end up with a reasonably pretty photo, but one that invariably I won't be returning to or framing in the future. It's like taking photos of the sun itself. It's so hard to get right. Or the moon, even. And it's knowing this that really draws the eye to the stunning work of Nadia Huggins. I mentioned her pseudonym earlier, but I didn't want to spoil it. Hey, um, Nadia, would you care to introduce yourself for us, please?
2: I'm Nadia Huggins, and I'm a photographer from St. Vincent and the Grenadines. A lot of the work that I do is based on an island, uh, so I consider myself a bit of a Caribbean amphibian because I'm always moving between the land and the sea and documenting those experiences that I have.
0: Thank you, Nadia. You see, I told you. How awesome is that? It's perfect. Perfect. When I first scrolled through the vertical Instagram timeline, I had an almost physical response to it, where I felt almost like I'd been caught in a rainstorm. I felt wet, soaked to my skin, but also completely refreshed. See if you feel the same when you have a look at her work. But it's also so accessible, it feels instant and not laboured over until the moment has dissolved.
2: I think part of it is probably I mean I'm I'm working with a very basic camera, the Olympus Tough, a TG2, like very old model. But it's just like a wide lens, so I have to get very close to everything. So I think maybe the images can feel quite intimate. And maybe that's maybe that's part of it as well, you know.
0: I feel like maybe that's why I clicked with it. The feeling of documenting with equipment that's consumer level, I mentioned accessible. And I think that's it. But I love the way that Nadia somehow squeezes the pure juice out of this Olympus tough camera. I looked it up too, they're still around. One thing about using equipment like this is that it immediately gives you boundaries and limitations. And maybe this is where Nadia finds those moments. There's somehow a freedom in the lack of options and immediacy. It's kind of perfect too, the idea of boundaries.
2: Well, I mean, I guess growing up on an island, obviously, that's, like, there's a boundary. You know, every time you step to the edge, you always see that horizon. So, you know, you're always aware of um, the ocean around you in some ways. But I I grew up really close to the beach, so pretty much like a two-minute walk.
0: And it was here where she really made fast friends with water.
2: Just, you know, being a young child, spending so much time just swimming and boogie boarding and surfing and just doing just, like, general... Uh, fun activities on the beach I always kind of had an affinity to it because of that yeah and it's I mean the beach I grew up on which is called Indian Bay is is a really special place because the the landscape there's so interesting there's all these kind of different rock structures in the water and there's just something like every time I go there I, I just feel like a certain sense of nostalgia looking at that so I started photographing it I guess to try and figure out what it was about it that was so special to me. And then it just kind of went in a certain direction from there.
0: There's something so beautiful in all of this. First of all, there's the use of camera equipment, which isn't directly from the present time, which already gives her photography an echo of nostalgia. And secondly, there's the feeling she experiences when she returns there. It's a a feeling we surely all share when we return back to those childhood places. But then there's the impulse to try and visually freeze the moments when she returns so she can better explore what it is that creates that nostalgic echo, the place where the memory bells truly ring.
2: Yeah, I think I think that's the interesting thing about photography because then it kind of becomes like this, I guess, like breathing apparatus in a way. It's like you can hold your breath forever once you capture that moment, you know, like you can take it, and take it out of the water and it's still there, like, you know, it's like this eternal breath.
0: There's also a safety in photography, especially when it involves the sea. Not everyone is immediately comfortable when it comes to the ocean. So being able to appreciate it in stillness really opens it up to everyone. I wondered if Nadia had always felt safe around it.
2: There's there's definitely like a fear. Um, there's like various levels of fear that you learn to break through over time uh, once you spend time in the water. I mean, I think like surfers kind of like take it to an extreme level but you know like growing up on the beach like you'll have like you know you you learn to swim that's like the first fair and then you learn to go out a little bit farther and then you learn to dive and then you learn to to do all these other brave things and like even now as an adult like it's taken me some time to kind of break through certain levels of fear I had swimming out a little bit farther than usual and um, you know venturing into certain patches of the water alone so it's kind of interesting, just learning that that about yourself as well, and just you know, it's like a kind of deep respect you have for the ocean. I mean, it's, it's unpredictable, you know. It's yeah, you have to you have to learn to break through the levels of fear. So I enjoy that about it.
0: It's one thing to appreciate what's on the surface. It's where the sky and the sun is reflected. It's where the waves wake and sleep, and where Nadia's kayak floated and her oar dipped into. But what happens when you take a look under there?
2: I wonder how this looks from below, like how does it, you know, the hull of a boat look for example, like must be so interesting to see it in that kind of perspective. And then I just, I bought a cheap underwater camera and I started shooting I was like wow this is actually really exciting because I realised like nobody else on the island at that time was doing it. And I just really wanted to be able to share that kind of perspective of what it was like uh, to see see what it was like being on an island but from underneath the surface of the water.
0: But it's not just seeing it from a different perspective. It's also being able to navigate the world beneath the surface. It's one thing being able to move underwater and direct your body, but it's a whole other thing to actually understand the directions, the flows. And I'm not sure what the word would be, but, well, the opposite of landscape. So how does she plan the journey?
2: Yeah, I'm def- it's definitely in the moment and I just kind of respond to what the environment does. Um, you know, like some if I have an idea that I think is kind of worth pursuing, then, you know, developing it and think about it a little bit. I, you know, do a mind map and kind of hash out um, how I may want to approach it, but I try not to restrict it too much because I realize you know, every day you go in the sea, it's always going to be different. Like the weather is different, the currents are going to be different. You know, think, things are just constantly changing, so you have to be able to prepare yourself to respond to the environment in that way. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely like when I when I think about like my experience swimming, for example, it's like you know, like you you're moving your body and you're letting your thoughts come, but you're also focusing on your breath. And I I, get, I guess. That's why that's why taking photos in the water could be so interesting for me too, because I'm so hyper aware of what's happening around me. And it's like, I have no time to kind of think about all the other things that might be bothering me when I'm on land. So it's like, I'm just kind of in the moment and very present. And I think that's probably the most enjoyable part of doing the underwater photography versus like shooting on land. And it's a it's a part of how I shoot. It's like my process. I like to work with natural light. Um, I don't like to take too many things with me. Like, I, just, I take three pieces of equipment, my camera, a pair of fins and some goggles. <laughs> you know, And I, I, just, I, I like to just be very simple when I'm moving because I, I suppose I just kind of like to feel what's happening in the water and like respond to that in the most intuitive way I can.
0: So while Nadia is calmly explaining her process and I was completely in the moment there with her, there was a part of me and maybe a part of you too that was also underwater and with that mildly panicking yeah <laughs> very mildly but Nadia's calm and collected confidence kept us perfectly leveled right so does she get the fear the panic it's hard to imagine
2: that's what we were talking about the panic earlier it's like you know, getting in the waters at first level, then swimming out is the next and then going down. You know, because if you panic in that moment when you're, when you're diving down, then, you know, you're gonna tense up your lungs and it's, it's just gonna create a lot of problems for you, so. I mean, I, I'm not as brave with going down and holding my breath for long periods of time. I mean, I am interested in it, but I'm also, that's like my next fair barrier that I need to break through. Like, and I've been kind of working up slowly to it. But I mean, I guess it's not very safe to do it alone because I'm out there alone most of the time, and you really do need somebody to kind of be there with you to monitor um, what you're doing. So
0: it's like real, real life consequences, isn't it? Yeah. It's Like you can't just sort of mess around with it, and like yeah. you might hurt yourself. It's like you, you, you know, it, yeah. it could be really dangerous. Yeah. Wow.
2: I mean, I could, but I, I don't want to risk it. I mean, I'm like, it's, it's not worth it for the shots. No, no,
0: <laughs> don't, don't do it. <laughs> It was like, yeah, th- th- I was wondering if you were like a photographer who's like, oh, I'll die for my photography, but like, yeah.
2: Not, not yeah, I, I, I still want to live. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, you got so much more to give, Nadia. <laughs> so we're going to drift from Nadia's world for a minute or two now. Cool. <laughs> and give her some time in her underwater world while we take a moment here on solid ground. In the blue Mind bubble, we don't take ad breaks. We take thought breaks. Now, we'll be meeting with Lottie later on for some meditative words. That's all coming up. But our first thought break will take place at... Walpole Bay in Margate. With the weather looking... Clear blue sky, very sunny, some scattered clouds. Where we're going to sit for a moment and let our minds do exactly what they want. They can think... They can chatter. They can flash up images for us at random. They can reminisce or plan or simply sit this one out entirely and relax. It's safe. We're all here. And when we return, calmly and peacefully and without any sudden noises, we'll hear from a very different photographer indeed. See you soon. And from one blue mind to another, or maybe in this case, a green mind.
1: Should I click on it? Sure, yeah, I can do that.
0: Through a series of chess-like moves through the internet's choppy waters, I stumbled upon some very different photography work. On first glance, work which didn't even appear to be photography. It was like an image that had grown into being, completely organic, as if a soul had been absorbed into a surface upon which nature had decided to take up home and form a residence around. I was speaking of blue minds and green minds earlier, but our friend Russell here is a student in all things mind, neurology, and all that comes with it. But it's the green side of things we'll be hearing about
1: next. Hi, my name is Russell Marks. I am a graduate student in neuroscience at the University of Washington. I am here right now, though, to mostly talk about algae and a algae related photography project i've been working on and thankfully yeah i can talk paragraphs about algae or photography or neuroscience too if you want
0: (laughs) i don't doubt that for a second i love it when you meet people who are so unashamedly geeked out by a subject or field i mean we all know that feeling right when you become so fascinated by something that you could flow for days about it well the neuroscience aspect is surely grounds for a whole section in itself but I was talking about that image that struck me on my internet voyage that one time. It was a circular image of what I gradually understood was that of a person. It was almost selfie-like, but more like a selfie taken by someone else, if you see what I mean. I also mentioned about how it looked like it was an image that had grown. Well, it turns out it had been.
1: Well, my first thought was working with. Plants and with the leaves because there's a really cool process in photography, like alternative photography, called the chlorophyll process. And I actually didn't know about this before I started. It was in a like undergrad biology class, I think, where we took leaves and like covered a little section with aluminum foil, so light is blocked from a little section of them. And then if you leave them into the sun for a little while, some parts of the leaves are gonna Get more sunlight, right? And they'll do more photosynthesis. And then later, you can actually soak the leaves in iodine, which stains the starch that the leaves produce when they uh, receive the sunlight. And then you can use this to kind of like stamp an image into the leaves. And in the class I did this in, we were, you know, thinking about photosynthesis and studying the biology of it. But then I looked it up later, and it turns out that people were doing this to project images onto leaves, like photographic images, and then just kind of print an image directly onto a leaf. And I thought that was really cool. So I wanted to kind of see if I could expand on that, and I looked into algae, because algae is basically like a little tiny leaf, almost.
0: I can kind of see the connections forming and those sparks firing. Like when you have an idea that triggers and almost comes in like a wave you can't contain.
1: Yeah, no chemistry at all, right? Just, just biology going on here.
0: But in order to get to those points in your mind, you have to start to find your way in and allow your mind to reveal these amazing pathways. How did Russell get his start then? Well, if you've ever read any early DC and Marvel comic books... You might enjoy his particular origin story.
1: Yeah, it's really a surreal story, I think. And here's
0: a teaser. It involves radiation.
1: So one day we were going through some old equipment and I noticed some people throwing out some old instant film, like Polaroid-type film, and it seemed like kind of a waste to me, so I, you know, stashed it away in my desk, waiting for a time to use it. And then, a couple weeks later, there was a radioactive incident in the building I was working in. So some background on that. So we had a a radiator in the building. So this is a device used for sterilizing blood samples and other things using radiation from radioactive cesium. And these things are kind of dangerous because someone with some bad intentions got a hold of this thing, they could poison a whole lot of people if they wanted. So these things are all being decommissioned right now and replaced with newer technologies that aren't quite so dangerous. And when the contractors came to decommission it, something happened. I don't entirely know what, but they were grinding through this cesium capsule because they had to do that to get it out of the building because it's like immersed in the concrete, so you can't just walk off with it. But during the grinding process, they ground through the capsule containing the cesium, and this spread cesium all throughout the building because it was right under the ventilation system in the loading dock. So it just went up all through the pipes throughout the building. Cesium has a half-life of about 30 years, so it's a bit longer than you want to wait for it. And the building's actually still closed right now for decontamination. They've had teams in there, you know, replacing all of the carpets, going through all of the walls, scanning everything with Geiger counters to get all of the radiation out of there. So right now... Almost all the radiation is out of the building, and it's almost ready to open, but not quite. It's just a really careful process of actually just going around with the Geiger counter and finding all of the radiation so you can go and take it out. But tying this into the film, so I had this film in my desk, and I wanted to know exactly how irradiated my desk was, And film is exposed by radiation, because light is just radiation at a lower level, right? And, like, if you're taking film through an airport, of course no one does that now, but if you used to, you know, you don't want to put it through the x-ray, because it'll expose your film. And, well, gamma radiation from radioactive decay will do the same thing. So I went in, like, a month later, in a trip to take out all the vital equipment we had, and I went up to my desk and took out the film to see if I could see how irradiated everything was. And I also needed a camera, of course, to test this out with, so I got one. And it turns out that my desk wasn't that badly irradiated, so that was good, at least. (laughs) Could have been a lot worse. I didn't see anything unusual on the film, so that was good. But now I had the film and the camera, so I figured I might as well keep going with it and see where it takes me. So, we have the origins, the
0: science, we have the idea, but how do you make an algae photograph?
1: Yeah, so I'm doing this on film photography instead of digital. So I take a picture on film and then I develop the film, and what this gives me is a negative. So I have a little transparent sheet where the regions that received more light in the photo are going to become darker. And I take this negative and I put it in an enlarger, which is just a projector, really. So the normal way of printing old-school images is to project your light onto a piece of photo paper from this negative. But instead of projecting it onto paper, I'm projecting it onto a petri dish that's filled with algae. So when the algae gets the sunlight, it grows. And if it gets more light it's going to grow faster, and if it grows faster, it'll be thicker and darker. So I'm projecting light onto this petri dish, and the brighter parts on the petri dish are going to get more algae to grow, and this is going to invert the image. So, like, it takes the negative and makes a negative of the negative, and this gives you a positive. It's kind of confusing, I guess. So the final project is a petri dish with a thin layer of algae in the bottom, and the algae just looks like a picture, a black and white picture, or a green and white picture in this case, because I'm using a green algae.
0: Of course, with digital renderings and photographs, we can keep things around forever, or at least the foreseeable future. But you have to remember that these original images are alive. They are literally growing and surviving. So how long does a living photograph stay alive?
1: Well, the colours will probably last for a while, as long as it's not in direct sunlight. Even if the algae dies, the pigments are still going to be there. But the thing that I think is really interesting is that you can keep the algae alive for a few months, probably, at least, as long as it has nutrients and oxygen can get out of it. And that would be really amazing, I think. You can kind of have a living picture, almost. You know, we have plants on our windowsills and pictures on our walls, and we can kind of combine them into one thing. I think that's beautiful. There's such a gorgeous link between
0: what Nadia is doing out there in the West Indies and what Russell is doing here in his lab in the States. Whereas Nadia is creating,
2: you know, it's like the eternal breath in a way.
0: Russell is working with something finite and physical. Nadia is quantifying the unquantifiable, containing the uncontainable. And Russell is developing images on life forms.
1: Yeah, no chemistry at all, right? Just just biology going on here.
0: Before we reach the end of our conversations here, there was something I brought up with Nadia. So recently I was looking through a book of these swimming getaways around the UK. It was all amazing and looked gorgeous. Obviously these spots were captured with high-end cameras and really sold to be true moments and really attractive destinations. Check. But mentally, something wasn't quite calculating. The thought began forming pretty early in flicking through the book. And by the end, the sad fact had been proven. Of all the images of humans in the book, and there were many, there was not one example of a non-white person to be seen. The stark contrast between this pretty big book and Nadia's photos made me wonder about the underrepresentation of non-white people in and on the water.
2: I mean, I th- I think when you kind of look when you look at the history of photography, especially within a Caribbean space, uh, a lot of the a lot of the photography that was done of Black people originally um, was from a European perspective, trying to reframe the Caribbean in this way as like the safe place to 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 buy land to travel to after um, the slaves were freed, right? So, you know, like like the imagery was done in a certain uh, perspective. It's taken a long time for people within the Caribbean, I think, to take the camera and like turn that lens on themselves and look at themselves and like feel comfortable portraying themselves in that way. And then I guess like in a broader sense, like the system has never really supported that kind of imagery globally. You know, like me now, like National Geographic and all these publications are trying to diversify their feeds and like be like, oh well, there are actually people in these regions that have been doing this. The same exact thing that they've always been doing but like the cameras just never been pointed on them you know so i think for me like that representation was important because i felt the same way i was like well why why are there no images of like caribbean people which is predominantly black you know i mean obviously we have indian and and chinese and east indian um but Vincent in particular is is predominantly a black uh, nation so I was like, why, why are we not being represented in our own space? I mean, most of the imagery that you see coming out of the island is from like a tourism perspective. It's either, you know, uh, foreigners coming here scuba diving or like documentation of marine life and these kinds of things. So that, that was like a very important part of it for me as well to like authentically show Caribbean people or black people um, in this space in that way.
0: I want to just read you something from Nadi's website. It's from an exhibition of hers called Circa No Future, uh, which I strongly encourage you to have a look at. This is some of that real hairs on your arms standing up goodness right here. I felt so grateful for being introduced to her work after reading this, um, as I feel like I would have otherwise missed this perspective and this insight. I just wanted to read it for you as I feel like it really hits on, like with some laser focus, so much of what she's accomplishing with her work and her ability to accomplish it so perfectly. Believing there to be a link between an underexplored aspect of Caribbean adolescent masculinity and the freedom of bodies in the ocean, I've decided to creatively document boys' interaction with the sea. These pieces capture manhood, snippets of vulnerability and moments of abstraction that often go unrecognized in the day to day. The ocean itself takes on a personality that of the embracing mother providing a safe space for being which is both archetypal and poignant i am as much a subject as the boys for whom i provide solace the boys climb a large rock proving their manhood through endurance fearlessly jump and become submerged in a moment of innocent unawareness they emerge having proven themselves the relationship between myself and the subject is also explored within this paradigm The subjects are aware of me while posturing. But lose this cognizance when they sink into the water. It's this moment that tells the true story. Isn't that beautiful? I'll link to it in the podcast notes and you can find so much more to carry on your journey online in places which will clearly be directed so you have no problem finding them.
2: You know, obviously, like, the adolescent male is just a very awkward (laughs) creature on a whole, right? So... It's kind of interesting to see them at this point kind of coming into adulthood um, in that awkward stage. You know, obviously above the water they're performing because I'm like a woman. Then it's like they have to show off and then... It's, it's interesting to see that switch once they break through the surface and then just become their most vulnerable selves. And I think, to me, like there's something so poetic in that because I guess masculinity is is always framed as this very negative, toxic thing, but I also think there's like, there's this other side to masculinity, um, which isn't acknowledged, and it's that vulnerability, you know, it's like men, not all men, of course, but like generally, well, especially, I could speak with regards to Caribbean men, always feel like this um, need to perform with these certain roles of masculinity, so I think it's interesting to see them in that way, and sort of like be like, hey, look, like you, you can actually be this, and you're okay, look, you're surviving, you know, so... To me, there's something important with showing that as well. I think a lot of us kind of deal with these issues globally. It's not, you know, obviously within the Caribbean, it is very nuanced. We have our own set of issues and everything, but that kind of universal perspective of what we're all struggling with, it's like a humanness, right? We're all trying to come into ourselves in one way or another. um, And and that kind of dichotomy between masculinity and femininity is something that's global. I mean, it's it's not unique to a place, so, yeah.
0: Uh, I'd like to thank Russell Marks for being so generous with his time and for giving us some really fascinating insight into his world of mixing algae and photography. You can find him at at mx.marxx on Instagram. And while he doesn't post all the time, you'll get a really nice view of some of his works. And I'd like to thank Nadia Huggins for sharing her valuable time with us and giving us the VIP guided tour of her incredible photographic universe. Above and below sea level. I rounded up our conversation by asking her if she had a message for the sea and how she thought the sea might reply.
2: If I had a message for the sea, I would probably tell it to go easy (laughs) on everyone. (laughs) Yeah, I think I think we've had a we have so much history and exchange that's happened within the sea, and we've really been doing a horrible job. Um, being kind to it in return, you know. So I think definitely I would say to, for it to be a bit more compassionate towards us and just be a little bit more patient. And the sea would probably say, tough luck, <laughs> you're just gonna have to deal with whatever I bring.
0: <laughs> Perfect. Thank you so much, Nadia and Russell. Alright, so let's take a short moment at this point just to settle into our, well, let's call it a final act of the Blue Mind podcast. We had our thought break earlier on, and very much along the same lines, we'll have a little interlude just to give you some time to prepare, and again, a kind of a thought bubble to arrange our minds, align our heads, and shift our attention just slightly. I'll be back in a sec, so yeah, enjoy. Welcome back to the Blue Mind Podcast. My name is Buddy Peace. I've been your host and narrator throughout. And it's been an absolute pleasure to guide you through these busy waters of, well, for this episode, the visual arts and the thoughts and mentalities behind them. So far, we've heard from photographer, designer, and brave underwater warrior, Nadia Huggins, the Caribbean amphibian. And from neuroscientist in training, an organic photographer, Russell Marks. But now, as promised back in the introduction, we'll spend some time in the plush confines of the Heckle's House Meditation Labs. It's my honor to introduce you to the glorious Lottie, a therapist up in Heckle's House who has written and crafted a unique meditation for this episode of Blue Mind, which will give you an absolutely perfect space for thoughts, for non-thoughts, visualisations, and mental meanderings which you can take with you into the day, or indeed if you're in the night right now, carry through to tomorrow. I'll be back at the end, returning calmly to sign off, but for now, dear listeners, may I introduce to you the wonderful Lottie.
3: Hi, I'm Lottie. I'm one of the therapists at Heckel's house and today I'm going to guide you through a short meditation on the theme of the element of water. The philosophy of the five elements is present in both eastern and western traditions. Today we're going to look at the element of water as it's seen in the Chinese philosophy which states that the five elements are wood, fire, Earth Metal And Water These five elements form the laws of the natural world and the whole universal order Of all the elements, water holds the most contradictions It can be deep or shallow Still or flowing Crystal clear or dark and murky In the body, water relates to the kidneys, the bladder and the nervous system The kidneys purify fluids in the body and the adrenal glands which sit on top of each kidney release hormones which give us our drive and also regulate our response to stress known as the fight or flight response So the water element is strongly related to our feelings of both motivation and fear. Having your water element at a healthy balance means you have the motivation you need. You're not living in a state of chronic stress or fear. You're grounded in the world around you and are open and listening to the wavelengths of others. So what I want you to do now, if it appeals to you, is to get comfortable, become aware of your spine, and adjust it in its own way to an alignment that feels right for you. Relax your shoulders, and then take a couple of deep breaths. Inhale through the nose for the count of three. Hold for a moment, and then exhale through your mouth for the count of four. When you breathe in, imagine you're filling your lungs right to the very bottom with air. Hold, and then breathe out. So breathe in. One. Two. Three. Hold, and then breathe out, one, two,
2: three, four,
3: breathe in, one, Now imagine yourself by the seashore. It's evening and the moon is shining brightly above the calm ocean. Feel the gentle waves wash over your feet. Imagine the rhythm of your breathing flows with the waves. Breathe in as the water gently rolls in over the sand and breathe out as the wave washes back out again Feeling at peace and letting things be still inside you Choose to let go of any stress or tension that remains Let it go from every cell in the body And if you wish, repeat these affirmations either out loud or just in your head I allow everything to be as it is I trust in the flow of life Everything I need is already within me I am grateful for my journey and all that it's teaching me I choose to make use of my gifts and share them with the world Miracles are taking place in my life Now take another deep breath And come back into the room.
0: The Blue Mind Podcast was produced, arranged and scored by me, Buddy Peace. You can find me on buddypeace.com and you can follow me on at buddy underscore peace. Infinite thanks to our guests Nadia Huggins and Russell Marks for providing their time so generously. Links will be provided of course for you to follow their journeys and to Lottie for her beautiful meditation. Blue Mind is the name of an excellent book by Wallace Jane Nichols which is essential reading for anyone with an interest of all things sea related. Thank you so much to Wallace for spiritual inspiration for this podcast the Blue Mind podcast is produced for Haeckels, who you can find online at haeckels.co.uk and that is spelt H-A-E-C-K-E-L-S. Or of course physically in store at number 18, Cliff Terrace, Margate, which you'll find up near the old Lido. You can also follow Haeckels on Instagram over on at Haeckels and also compile weekly Spotify playlists which you can find if you search Haeckels on Spotify. So they weigh in about uh, at least an hour a week of just pure blissful sounds from all over the world. You'll find them under the name Heckles Radio and there's a healthy back catalogue there already. So yeah, so much for you to dive in and enjoy. And finally, of course, so many thanks to you for listening and for being an integral part of this. From all of us at Blue Mind and Heckles, I really hope you've enjoyed it. I very much look forward to catching you on the next episode of the Blue Mind Podcast.